What's going on, everybody? Here's another Whiskey Web and Whatnot. I think it's episode 12 or something like that now. I'm here in person with Charles W. Carpenter III, as always. Uh, we're usually apart virtually, but he is in Myrtle, Middleburg today, um, just hanging out. Where are you? Yeah. I'm, Middleburg, Myrtle Beach. Myrtle, Myrtleburg <laughs> Myrtleburg is my favorite town. Yeah. We're yeah. in Myrtleburg. It's, Listen, we've renamed it. Yeah. It's when you're in Middleburg, but you feel like you're at the beach. Myrtleburg. Yeah, yeah Myrtleburg. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it took Robbie a little while to afford my appearance pee. And <laughs> <laughs> We're doing great here. This is, this is good. <laughs> uh, no, I definitely I think meant, you meant fee. <laughs> I think I meant fee, but... <laughs> I didn't want to talk about the details of my contract, but could include both. All right. We'll see you guys next time. No, seriously, though. We'll, we'll keep that. That was kind of fun. Yeah, but, um, yeah, so today we have a special whiskey that we bought for Chuck's two-year anniversary with ShipShape. Uh, it is the Whistle Pig Boss Hog, the seventh edition, which is Magellan's Atlantic, which... Uh, it's a bunch of weird stuff that I'm not really sure of. It says it's aged 17 years. It's finished in Spanish oak and South American teakwood. So, yeah, that's a kind of a different twist. Of course, it's a rye, so that means lots of that. I don't know what other mash bill it may include. I'm not sure if it's 100% rye or not. Quickly trying to read that during our podcast. Seems like an ill-advised <laughs> course of action. But, uh, yeah, so in celebration... We're going to be trying this one today, and I assure you, we've not had any yet. Um, and I'm glad we chose that over the alternative, it seems, that Robbie has here, some <laughs> sheepdog peanut butter whiskey. Um, and I think you only give that to people you don't like, so I'm glad to be on the other end of it. Well, it was free, so. Mm, right, sometimes so. free. No, nothing's free, really. <laughs> Especially peanut butter whiskey. Okay. Oh, I forgot to pour near the microphone. Ah, uh, yes, I like the effects of that. That is a significant pour. That's all right. Mr. Wagner won't be driving the rest of the day. Don't <laughs> worry. Police of Virginia. <laughs> yeah. Smell a slight cinnamon. Um, and a little bit of like, I guess if I was smelling maple syrup, I don't, I don't feel confident that this is going to taste like maple syrup, but it... You don't smell South American teakwood? Mm. Does teakwood smell a little like like maybe pipe tobacco or something? Um, it's hard to describe, but actually, I don't know if it's power of suggestion, but I do kind of smell a little bit of teakwood now that I mentioned it. <laughs> well, there we go. Maybe that's what smells like pipe tobacco to me. Uh, very spicy, which I like. It does, yeah, again, I don't know if it's power suggestion or not, but it isn't that powerful, you know, American oak that you sometimes have, so it is different. Um, I'm definitely getting, like, cinnamon gum kind of thing, hmm. you know, for me. So that's the spice for me. It's more like cinnamon spice. Yeah. I'm getting a heavy, like, almost smoky licorice on the finish. I don't know. Can't put my finger on it, but it's I think a lot of smoke. I think we sure. have a new gimmick, though. We got to smack our lips a lot in future episodes. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm trying to feel the licorice finish. I'm not sure. If it's it took a while. Me. Like yeah. I was sitting for maybe, well, I don't know, 20 seconds. But it's, yeah. The power of suggestion is real because now I, I'm convinced that I, <laughs> I'm getting it. In the middle, yeah, I'm getting not, not necessarily like a sweet syrup, but like a thickness to it. Mm-hmm. It's a 17-year rye, so that's going to yeah. have a lot of wood, have a lot of kind of like, yeah. It's like... It's as if punching it's, me in the mouth. Yeah it's, yeah, it's thickened a little or something yeah. over time. Yeah, it's almost viscous. Mm, yeah. Would you put this in your car? Would I put it in my car? Yeah, the viscosity of, of your whiskey may also be a good oil. Oh, no, I don't, I don't think it would do well for that. It may explode. I'm not a scientist, but that's probably a bad idea. <laughs> not that kind of engineer. Yeah, so I guess, you know, I probably wouldn't want to sip on this a lot, honestly. It's very, very punchy. Um, it's good, but yeah, it's, it's definitely not your middle of the road, which you wouldn't want when you're spending this much on whiskey. So, like, I understand that. Um, I don't know. I would give it, it's certainly not my perfect taste. So I would give it maybe a seven. It's pretty good. It's, hmm. it's certainly better than, I forget what we rated the normal boss hog. I think that's the one or not boss hog whistle pig. Um, I think that's the one we didn't publish because there were hmm. like audio issues. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. And so I think I, I was somewhere around a five on it. It's a six year rye. It's pretty decent and drinkable, but you know, on the higher price of things, not high, but I think it's like 50 bucks. Right. Like that. And yeah. Not, I think I could go down to a six on this. I could be persuaded six or seven. Um, I'll say seven. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's hard to say just for its own price point and uniqueness that right. you know you're rating it against. So far, all whiskeys that we've currently reviewed, and a lot of things are middle of the road or true. You know, say the sixty to eighty dollar price range. This is significantly more. So in that sense, I don't know that I would buy it for myself. I would try this somewhere and be like, oh, different. And I could have it every once in a while. Would I buy this for myself? I'm not sure I would recommend that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's fun and it's something you could bring out and like have people try and, and, you know, it's a good experience. But yeah, it's not something you want to sip on all night. It's very, very flavorful for that. Yeah. Um, It's like equate it to like a very deep chocolate, which you can have like a little bit of. And that's okay. I like that. Like. I don't, I don't need any more. It's been, right. it's hanging around for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I want to yeah. give credit where credit is due. It has, it's not my favorite. I wouldn't seek it out necessarily, but it is unique and enjoyable for its small amount. So I think I'm going to go with the seven as well. Seven tentacles. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Yeah. So this might be, have we given anything else a seven? I don't think so. I try to be a little harsher yeah. critic on things. And I think really this is only a seven because of the extreme uniqueness. Like we're not saying it's the world's best whiskey, but it's it's definitely different. Um, so yeah, I don't think a lot of people who like whiskey are going to try this and be like, this is bad. Right. Right. They're going right. to say this is an interesting flavor. You know, it's a it's a it hangs around for a while. It's unique. Feels special. I guess it does. It feels special. And in that sense, it's delivering. So it gets a seven for delivering. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So, yeah. For our web portion today, we have just a couple grab bag topics, kind of things Chuck and I have been working on. Uh, first off, you know, everyone's 
always probably familiar with having a form and people abuse it or you get bots that send a bunch of garbage into your forms and you hate that. And we kind of dealt with that on our website for a while because we were like, you know, it doesn't really matter if we get the occasional spam. Fine, we'll just delete it. But uh, I guess it was a few months ago now. We a few days in a row, we got like hundreds of submissions and then they all go to like a, a Slack channel we have. And there's no way to like, say, just delete all of these. So you have to go delete manually on like hundreds of things. And that was enough to make us look at how can we stop this? Yeah. I mean, I want to say it's on the backs of, yeah, on our backs for the popularity of this particular podcast. I mean, a few months ago, we probably got some serious <laughs> traction. People who want to get our opinions on whiskey and their internet technologies mm -hmm. and then other random things that they want to be surprised. Like that's really started to gel with people and yeah. they're seeking us out. And yeah, I mean, we should just make that our business model. We consult on these areas, you know, right. Whiskey and whatever technical problem you have and basically anything with and the whatnot. So, yeah, you know, some other stuff. What are, what are you interested in? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I haven't gotten a lot of inquiries about like, you know, both building a website and suggesting a whiskey, but maybe someone will eventually. Mm. They'll have done their research. Yeah. They get a discount. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so, you know, we use Netlify. Uh, we're not sponsored by them like many other podcasts, but Netlify, if you happen to listen, we wouldn't mind being sponsored by yeah, Netlify. We, we like you. We yeah. Think it's, we think you make good stuff. Yeah, it's a good service. It's like... Probably the best service other than like, I mean, Vercel is pretty comparable, but like they kind of solve the same problems and have previews and collaboration, you know, nice things. Um, but anyway, uh, they have things built in where you can say like, here's a bot field and like bots will probably fill this in and then we won't accept the form and, you know, all this kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, I guess bots are getting smart enough to read th that like the ID is like bots fill this in or, you know, something stupid. Yeah. So, uh, now we just keep getting spam. And so we had to finally actually hook up recapture and make things robust and actually not get that spam. So like there are a couple of things you can do and there are like some out of the box packages. I think there's like a Nuxt recapture that we ended up using. Maybe I forget if I used that or hand rolled it, but, um, they, there are several tiers, like you have a kind of a personal recapture, I guess, um, and then like a super enterprisey one. And the enterprisey one, I guess, is like not limited. So you can have as many submissions as you want, whatever. Uh, but it also doesn't work with like a lot of the packages because the format is different. And, you know, so I ended up using the non, like the less fancy personal one. But so far, I think it's been working. We haven't gotten, we had like one spam submission, but it maybe like it would have been more and it stopped like, oh, this is suspicious. So it stopped letting them through. Um, but I've been pleased so far. Yeah. Sometimes the things you already know are good enough, right? Like yeah. you don't always have to look to different solutions for the same problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always thought kind of, you know, I don't like the look of having a little checkboxy thing or, you know, whatever, but we actually did the one where it doesn't show anything, which I don't know how that works. Like, I guess if you're behaving suspiciously clicking on the site or something, hmm. or I don't know, because it's, it doesn't, you know, there's some where you click a checkbox or some where you like, 
get a thing like which of these is a traffic light and then like but it doesn't do any of that and still somehow (laughs) knows what's suspicious so i don't know well i mean we utilize analytics and so it probably has an idea of where the traffic has come from and that's true that's true yeah i think you do submit like it's like a a public private key kind of thing i think right so like your form submit a certain key and then the back end like interprets that and it somehow from that request knows if that request was suspicious, but someone smarter than me at Google made this. So they know what they're doing, I guess they work at Google. They probably do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, true. They don't usually hire people that don't know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're known to have a semi rigorous process, I think. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, speaking of not knowing what you're doing, I mean, that's essentially uh, what I do from time to time too. And bouncing around, to various technologies, although I'll be coming back to one I believe that I have mentioned in the past, but mostly around doing Apollo caching with a Redis key store, um, which was pretty direct and had worked to put together a proof of concept with a client. Everybody's happy. Nothing really went anywhere in terms of uh, moving it through an environment and getting it to production. So it's like six months later, maybe it's a little less than that, but here we go kind of doing it again, except for we have upgraded the GraphQL server to Apollo 3 from Apollo 2, and many things have changed in terms of how you set it up. So kind of get a relearn and go down that path. Um, Apollo does have its own in-memory cache too, which is kind of neat. If you do utilize Apollo uh, Studio, you can see what's a, what's a cache hit, what's not. Um, it is kind of smart enough um, you know, within its own browser cache and uh, to know which are the same exact connections as long as you play the games right by like including type name in your queries. Because if you don't include type name, I believe there are some issues around, oh, the shape of the return value is not exactly the same. I don't know that it is this type name, this ID, blah, 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 coming in. So my comeback is going to be a new hit through the resolvers. Um, Yeah, so started going down that path a little bit again, and cash is just hard. Every that's what they say rules everything around me. Yeah, it's the one of the two hard problems in computer science: naming and caching. Yes. Uh, So yes, in-memory cache, and then being able to enhance that because I believe the in-memory cache, when you are utilizing Kubernetes, and you could have multiple pods of your GraphQL server. Each individual pod has its own in-memory cache. So if you have one uh, application hitting that cache and it happens to hit pod one versus pod three, they may not have the same cache. So you solve that problem by having a unified service like Redis that keeps key values. And so it tries its own cache. And if that isn't there, then it goes to your key value store to see if you have the cache pulls the response and then doesn't hit your resolver or whatever that service could be. Especially when you're uh, working in uh, an organization that has a lot of legacy applications. Um, Some of those services can be a a little bit slow. They've been around (laughs) a long time. They've had minor upgrades along the way and performance may not have been a consideration 10 years ago when the amount of data they needed to query was much smaller than now. Yeah, I mean, I've obviously seen lots of applications use Redis, but I didn't, never really thought about that as like, you know, we're going to kind of have some disparate 
apps with, you know, some older stuff and we want to have them have a nice fast one kind of store and just kind of pushing them all into there. I think that's a great use of that. Yeah. And when you have like common searches or something, you know, the results of those searches are pretty much consistent. If like your product categories don't really change that often, you know, maybe you have ingredients for something or you're selling light bulbs or whatnot, like you can have one thing, which is the, all the product information. And that one probably doesn't change very much. Um, and then the, maybe the pricing changes and that's something that you get without caching. And the cool thing about the, uh, some of the newer ways that you set, um, like cache times, you can actually do it on, uh, entire models or you can do it on individual fields. So you could have like all of this stuff is cash valued and this is cash zero because it's the price. And so I'm going to need to get that regardless, mm -hmm. or you can do it in a separate call. It kind of depends on how the application's designed, but you'll have particular bits of information that you know are very consistent to so keep those around. And then other things that might be like, yeah, I need this. So do you configure that at the like Apollo GraphQL level or like as part of Redis? Like uh, You do it at the Apollo level. So okay. Apollo makes all those decisions as to who it's going to talk to and when. Redis will clear its own store based on uh, the, the, the timing of when those keys are set. Um, but uh, Apollo will make some decisions too as to like, do I need to go get this oh. from the cash store or brand new? And they could hit the cash store first and then move on. Um, it's a few different ways to, to kind of set it up. So you can, you can do it within the schema or you can do it within the resolvers. So you can do it like statically in the schema. So now everybody sees what that is there, or you can do it dynamically on the fly with resolvers. It's kind of the same as the flexibility of just a normal request with GraphQL. Like you can configure everything you want pretty much all the time across the board. So. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So they say that's the good and bad, though, because that's some of that are the reasons why caching is really hard within that paradigm. Right. Because you could choose different, like one person doesn't want this field. So how do you cache that request? Because it's different request, right? So, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. This is why I don't do backend. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, can you just give me fast, fresh data? Great. See yeah. I'm going to be using Tailwind over here and making pretty interfaces and just give me the data, please. <laughs> <laughs> and make it quick. <sighs> oh, yeah. So Chuck has been here in town for a couple of days. Um, started in DC somewhere, right? Uh, well, technically no. Flew into no? DC, DCA. I guess that's in Arlington though, isn't it? Uh, went to Boston, so an area right, so in Ar Arlington to not see quite friends. DC. Not quite yeah, DC. I guess, yeah, I guess, no, yeah. that's faking it. So you make it. Um, and uh, now we're in beautiful downtown, historic Middleburg. And yeah. the next stop will be in DC proper. Shout yeah. out to my friends at Industrious who will be hosting for a few days the ShipShape team. Yeah. Who can also sponsor us if they want. Feel free. Yes. <laughs> Although we are opening our own co-working space, so maybe there'd be a conflict of interest there. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 1787. Yeah. You'll hear about it. Yeah. Not for a while, though, because contractors are ridiculous and hard to find and... Only, yeah, the whole only, supply chain, everything right now is nuts. Yeah, yeah, getting things done in general seem to be pretty challenging. I've been trying to get uh, Raspberry Pi compute modules for like six months now. 
still that's not working. What out are those for? Very well, I got a Turing pie. I ordered that quite some time ago, and then later on realized, oh, it doesn't come with a compute module, so that's fine. I'll get some as soon as it gets here. Um, so I didn't buy in advance, and uh, and that came. And then now I don't have the actual computers to put in it. So it's like a big board that will handle multiple compute modules, kind of let you set up. Well, for me, I just want to do Kubernetes experimentation and mm. also deploy things like uh, Home Assistant in the cloud and some other stuff like, well, in my home cloud. It's right. like a home lab kind of a thing. Okay. Yeah. That's fun. Could be. unless, yeah. But now it's fun in a box doing nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I just don't have... Like I used to do fun things like that and, you know, be like, oh, I have a computer. Let me put like Arch Linux on it. But yeah, now I'm just like, nope, like don't have time for this. I'm going to buy a device that's configured and works and and still do any of that. Yeah, I usually rubber band back to that. Like, oh, I don't have time. Just fine. Just I'm going to buy the thing that's already there and does it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have too much other work going on. Like I was telling you earlier, I started painting for like two days and then I was like, why am I doing this? I don't want to paint. Like I'm going to hire someone to paint. No one wants to paint. Yeah. So when we first moved into our house, we painted a couple of rooms ourselves and it was exhausting. And that was the end of that. <laughs> At that point there were painters available though. This was like three years ago. So, well, uh, supposedly the company that is going to come give us a quote has like seven teams of painters. So like pretty stacked on the painters. Yeah. The problem is, they only have one estimator. So like if you want to get on the schedule, it takes a long time to get like someone to come out and say how much it's going to cost and you agree to the paperwork and whatever. And then once you've done that, like you're on the schedule quick and you like gets done. So yeah, I'm hopeful that that'll be quick and soon. And cause that's kind of the one, well, I mean, we want to do some renovations, but if that, if those don't happen, painting's kind of the one prerequisite to putting furniture in and doing all that stuff. So yeah. Painting teams are very efficient too. It's really amazing because I, I think that like 70% of the effort goes around prep. Oh, yeah. Coming in and just doing all the prep. Mm -hmm. and it's incredible how much of that, how much time goes into that. Once they're prepped, they're like, mm -hmm. they can get it really done. And you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, I didn't want to do any of that prep. I'm glad that I paid. Yeah. It's one of those things you're glad you paid for. We're also probably going to have lead paint in here because hmm. this building was built in 1800 for those that. May have been, I don't know if we mentioned that in another podcast. Sure. I think we probably Was did. Was it 1800 on the dot? Yeah. Oh, wow. On the dot. There you go. Turn yeah. the century building. Yeah. So, you know, through those years, there was probably lead in the paint at some point. Mm. And yeah, I think that's a professional should test that and deal with that. And I should not be <laughs> sanding that and, you know. Right. Or career pivot. I mean, it's up to you. There's clearly demand in the marketplace. That, things to think that's about. true. Yeah. But I think... Well, I, I need to learn their secrets. Maybe I'll watch them paint because <laughs> like it took me a whole day to paint one window hmm. and it, you wouldn't think it would. And I, I continued to think it wouldn't as I'm painting it. I'm like, you know, I'm, it looks done, right? I'm going to touch up a couple spots and it's, but then you keep finding spots you miss and you keep doing it and doing it and doing it. And then, you know, four hours go by and you're like, well, most of my day is gone. And I think it's a patience issue. It is that. Yeah. And then I did that one window and like did it really slowly and carefully. Didn't get it on like the plastic bits and stuff. And then I go to take the tape off and rip the paint off the wall. And I was like, I'm done. Painters are coming in to do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not valuable enough at that point. 
No. Here, I'm going to have a second boss hog. See, oh. what you guys can't tell by not getting video is that Robbie, in order to get the sound of pouring, had to pour a lot. Yeah, because I uh, poured some first and yeah, then and forgot about back it. To it. Let's see if I can do it. Oh, yes. That's very satisfying, though. Yeah. Get that. <laughs> this is not sheepdog. I won't be having any peanut butter whiskey. <laughs> yeah, for anyone that needs a sample of a whiskey pouring sound, feel free to rip this. This is uh, open source licensed, I guess. Yeah, we're contributors <laughs> to the open source community. Yeah. Feel free to do so. Um, so, yes, now that I'm here in town, and I'm not sure if I mentioned it in previous podcasts, but did you still live here? Uh Worked for National Geographic, uh, Stars. Uh, well, there's one startup, I guess, here. But I did some side work for a few startups here and there, and uh, eventually worked for Aquia, not in town. So, but they get a small mention, I guess. Um, yeah, so back in town to uh, work with Robbie some, do some planning, um, eat oysters, because that's a thing I enjoy doing when I lived here. and. When I visit here, it's at most trips are about food. Let's be honest. Yeah, Tra- most of everything is yeah. about food. You yeah. should come out and visit, and we can plan in person, and we'll be more effective. But also, we'll eat some things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's one of the few universal pleasures in life is eating. So yeah, you know, some people don't drink, you know, or whatever, and but everyone eats and usually enjoys food. Yeah, so. even if they have their preferences in that realm, they tend to like food. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be difficult not to like food. What was that stuff? Uh, Soylent. <laughs> I think that is the result of possibly not liking food. I mean, sorry. Is that still around? Yeah. Okay. I love the idea mm-hmm. of like, you know, you have all of your macronutrients and like, you don't have to think about eating. You just drink this thing. But like, I mean, I don't know about everyone in America. I feel like is like really busy. Like, mm-hmm that's the one like time you can like take a minute and like just enjoy eating. Like you're not going to just be like, okay, down this gross thing. Maybe it's not gross, <laughs> but it's kind of, I think most people like can tolerate it. Like it's, it's not like terrible tasting. It's just kind of bland and like, yeah, I think I had like other flavors. I, I recall reading that like the initial flavor of it was not good. Oh yeah. Yeah. I I may have had like a chocolate or a coffee flavor or something like that. And it was like, this is tolerable, but this is, I would, this is not pleasurable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think when they started to like package it in like single serve bottles and do flavors like that, it's gotten better. But yeah, when it was like a, I think it was a Kickstarter, right? First. And it was like this big bag of just white powder and it's just like, wasn't it like a Google engineer or something who, came I up think with so. this in order to be more efficient with his time. Yeah. Like that's then you don't have to stop to eat. Yeah. You don't stop to eat. Like, yeah. Spoiler alert. Stopping working sometimes is helpful. Yeah. Like, yeah. You at some point just burn out and can't do anything anymore. Yeah. Disconnecting gives you like freedom of thought a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I've seen this on, I don't, I think it was Netflix. I saw most recently. They like sent one of their engineers like a, a diffuser so they could like, you know, relax. And like the little card was like, everything works better, including your brain when you like unplug it for a minute and plug it back in or whatever, something mm. like that. No, no that's um, clever. Yeah. Yeah. Netflix is getting a lot of kudos in terms of employee satisfaction. They, I mean, having contracted there and been in their offices, it is, it's nice. I bet. I, 
They've got like heated toilet seats on all, in all the bathrooms and bidets and like wow. it is. It's nice in my house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they uh, they have all that. They have like fresh fruit out every morning. Like you know, six different like brands of coffee. You know, depending on which one you prefer, and mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's it's pretty nice. Yeah, I wonder how they're transitioning that to the semi remote workforce. Well, so they're one of. I mean, you know, them and Apple and some of the bigger ones that can kind of dictate what happens don't want people to be remote, right? Like they've given a little bit into it because of the pandemic and like, what can you do, right? But they, whenever it's possible, they're going to force people to come back. So they're not trying to make you comfy at home, I don't think. I think they probably are a little during the pandemic, but yeah, they want you back. They don't want you at home. Yeah, the appeal is to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on the heels of that, I, like, I, uh, I was reading some articles this morning that there is some unrest, though. Most people are very happy to be there and work there. But there is a little unrest around uh, having released Dave Chappelle's latest stand-up. Hmm. Yeah. I think it's I called The Closer. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't really give away too much. But he leans into some of his opinions and ideologies around... Um, what he perceives as a struggle between like the trans community and the black community, and I mean, he's known for being a controversial guy. Like, exactly, and I think that comedy is uh, is definitely a forum where you may be able to more—it's not necessarily lightheartedly, but more without consequence—kind of start to have that discussion right. and sometimes counter discussion. Yeah, people are more open to it in a, you know, non-confrontational forum. It's not just like, I have these ideas, you know, like, I'm going to push them on you. It's like, can tie them into a little bit of humor, and it's like, it's more approachable. And Yeah. Yeah. But apparently some people at Netflix were very unhappy, and some people mm. have left, or they stormed into meetings or something that they were uninvited to, and so there's some disciplinary consequences around that, so. Yeah, I mean... I don't know whether this is a First Amendment thing, kind of. He can say what he wants, and I guess they can decide as a private business whether they release it or not. They have particular guidelines, right. and they say he didn't he didn't break their guidelines. Yeah, and I mean, like, I'm not going to get too political or into it, but, like, I think we can all agree that everyone is offended about something these days, and, like, you can't win. Like, you could... It doesn't matter what you say. Someone will take it the wrong way. So, like... I don't know anything about what the content was or if it was bad or not, but it's just, it's tough to be the good guy anymore. Like you've got to worry about so many different groups and, and obviously you should, I'm not saying you shouldn't just, it's hard. Yeah. I think you just got to be open to being wrong or just being from a different perspective or context. It's hard to like say I have everybody's best interests in mind because I don't know what is your best interest. I don't pretend to, to know what is your best interest, but I'm open to hearing what you think is your best interest. And my experience and perspective has been ABC. So right. there's that as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I don't know. Haven't they gotten in trouble for some things before? I feel like. I think they've been controversial before. Yeah. I don't know about there's been any sort of trouble. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know think what trouble was... would mean anyway. Like they're kind of self-regulating in that way. Right. Yeah. I don't think there was like, internal trouble like you're describing but like people thought some of their shows i think were 
like pushing it too far. It's I forget what it was, honestly. But it sounds right. But yeah. The boss hog is, is creeping up on you, isn't it? No, I just <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast, but I just don't like if you know, a lot of people like to peruse Reddit or watch YouTube or do things online. I do none of that. Yeah. I, I code. I will occasionally watch something on Netflix, but I don't keep up with the latest. Like I haven't watched Squid Game, which a lot of people no, have. I haven't either. Yeah. Um I yeah, like if it's a new hot thing, you can guarantee that I have not heard about it unless someone that I see in person tells me, Hey, this thing is cool, you should check it out. Yeah. Cause I don't peruse the internet to look for anything. And it, same. It's, it's odd because like, you know, people are like, What you you're a web developer and you don't like look stuff up online? I'm, no, like, sorry, I just don't. Yeah, I was like an early adopter like 15 years ago. And I was like, oh, well, hear of a new thing, sign up for it. Always getting my early username and uh, Twitter and all those things across the board, uh, which I'm not on anymore. So I'm kind of similar to you is that I depend on um, kind of the popularity of the crowd just to tell me about things. So, yeah, I usually yeah. hear like my brothers will peruse the Internet, all kinds of things. So I'll hear things from them, Reddit, other sort of things. I look at like. I'll spend a little, I used to spend time in the morning looking at Apple news and I found that like current events are very like anxiety driving. (laughs) So I kind of do less of that and I focus on the things that I enjoy. So a lot of that is around like soccer news and some technology blogs, which are helpful. And then uh, I'll look at like hacker news and then, oh, it's like, oh, our peer group seeing an importance in something and maybe that bubbles up. And sometimes that's like politics and current events and those kinds of things. But yeah, I, uh, same thing. I don't, I'm definitely not first to it. I've never had a TikTok. Um, I'm okay Me with either. that. Yeah. I really, you don't need one. It's kind of like NFTs where I think it's sort of interesting technologically, but I don't really understand it. And every time I take a financial risk, it doesn't work out for me. <laughs> I just, the, you know, I need to be the Warren Buffett, just index fund the rest of my life and be done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on that note, I, uh, Way back in the day, let me think. It was probably uh, 2013, I think. <laughs> like, I don't know when Dogecoin started. I think it was probably maybe a year or two before that. Mm, something okay. like, you know, a bunch of Bitcoin was around for a little while and like altcoins started happening. But there wasn't the huge explosion of altcoins until like Ethereum happened and they made it really easy to make a coin. Right. Right. So Dogecoin was in that kind of transition period where it's like, there weren't a ton, but like, here's this new one. And you know, we, we, my friend and I thought like, Hey, this thing where it's worth like point zero 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 two cents. Like, that's cool. Like let's buy some. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I was, we were kind of like exploring some investing and like trying to move it to whichever coin we thought was going to make it. And obviously like even today, truthfully, like Dogecoin is, it's a meme coin. Like it's, it's fake. It's not, yeah, but the so, founder did it as a joke. Yeah. So we were like, you know, we, we don't believe in this. We'll, we'll sell it. I think we maybe made a little bit of money on it or even maybe lost. Like we basically just broke even and got out of it and moved to a different coin or whatever. Um, you know, for anyone that's paying attention the like thousand dollars we had in it at that point, if we had kept it in it, we would be like multimillionaires today. Right. Um, so should it, right? Yeah. Don't come to me for investment <laughs> advice. Cause I get out of everything way too early. Well, maybe the interest they should come to you for, and then just don't listen to when to exit for me. Yes. No, I, 
I make good and yes, I make great investment choices, but I get out at the wrong time. Like I also bought a lot of Bitcoin mining hardware. Like, uh, what is it? Is it ASIC miners? Is that what they call them? Where they're like specific to mining that thing. Oh yeah. And yeah, so I got those and like I could make, I think like one Bitcoin a week or something. It was like whatever it was, was kind of slow and Bitcoin was worth maybe like a couple hundred then or something. And I was like, these miners are like $5,000 each. Like I'm never going to make my money back with my power costs and whatever. I should just sell these. <laughs> if I had just mined until now, again, I would have multi-million like, yeah. So yeah, it's, and I think the same is kind of true for NFTs right now. Like no one knows which ones are valuable or which ones to buy, but if you get in it now and buy the right one, you were going to make a lot of money. So, right. But you know, I think the ideology is around u- utilizing the, bro- the blockchain to protect fakes and copyright and licensing and things like that. Right. But then when you have like, you know, a Pepe meme generator that gives you 47 different variations every drop and then every drop after that is, it's almost like a pyramid, screen, a pyramid scheme, mm-hmm. you know, because the, oh, I think there's a cat one that actually you can breed together and make like generations down. And that one does sound literally like a pyramid scheme because the gen one people are always at the top of the pyramid and do the best. And they got in early. Are you talking about that game one? It's some cat thing. So there's, I forget what it's called, but there's a game one where it's kind of like, not like Pokemon exactly, kind of like a Tamagotchi almost. Right. Like it's a pet, but it, and it's like kind of randomly generated. They're all different. And I think it's like Axie Infinity or something. Have you heard mm. of that? No. Um, and they, to get in, you must buy a pet. So to start, you have to give them some eth, right? Like mm-hmm. that's how you start. You've already given them money. But the hook is like the more you play, they give you whatever they're coin is like in-game coins, Mm -hmm. but they're Ethereum based and like those coins themselves are becoming worth more. And then the real thing is like, if you breed your pets, right. And you get like a really rare one, Mm. those are worth like $50,000 for a pet or whatever. And it's like, right. So it's, it's kind of fun because you're just playing a game and you might accidentally make a lot of money. So that's kind of cool. But yeah, there's, it is pyramid scheme. It's like, you know, the people that started and are, since you have to buy from them to get in. Yeah. And then, you know, the new people have to buy from you cause you made the new pets and like, yeah, yeah. On and on and on. And so is it art? It's probably not art. It's a game in this aspect where you're just trying to generate pixels. Yeah. That but I think, like um, sorry, not to interrupt you. Oh, that's all right. Yeah. Uh, I think the land in there, I just remembered this. So my brain was like, ah, uh, the land is like NFTs. So you can be like, I want this plot of land. And like, then you're the owner, like you have, you're deeded to that land cause it's like an NFT or whatever. And then you have to have land to like, I think make, you know, houses for your pets or whatever. It's I like don't know. Second life, NFT second life or something. I, it's not as, not as involved as that, but, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. And yeah. I think eventually those things will really take off, but. But which one and right. what do you get and you get lucky and yeah. And like you said, if you create one you're at the top of the mountain mm-hmm. and you're getting people feeding into you. And if it does well, great. You're always getting paid whether they get mm-hmm. a rare one or not. Right. Yeah. I think, um, the, the one game I was talking about was, was saying like in developing countries, it's really popular because like, you know, some say somewhere where the exchange rate is terrible, right? Like, you know, 
you barely have a cell phone or whatever, but you can play this game. So you're, if you're making 0.01 F, which is, you know, I don't know, hundred bucks or whatever, and you played the game all day and you made that, that's like better than you could have made working. So like, you know, people in those countries are really jumping on and like playing the whole system and buying into it. Right. Um, yeah. Because it's just a viable way to get by. And yeah. Live. Yeah. Which is, Which is crazy. <laughs> that is really interesting because you can think about like the socioeconomic impact of that across the globe. Yeah. Could get pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Why yeah. would I go work to make, I don't want to like yeah. stereotype, but like why would I go make sweatshirts if I can just play this game yeah. and make way more, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe that'll be, you know, people want a universal base income. Maybe it's, you have to play this game all day for universal base income and you like, prop up the blockchain which powers all of the finance and like you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> who knows yeah it could go crazy places yeah sweatshirts are going to get really expensive <laughs> everything's going to get really expensive right yeah yeah we're out of everything you can't get halloween costumes you can't get furniture you can't get i i don't know if the wood thing for like building how like lumber oh, yeah, the lumber industry yeah is that yeah. kind of recovered i'm not sure i mean um, i think some but it think, is made yeah. house like houses that much more expensive right yeah, it's not know. a good time to buy anything right no. now. What are we doing? Why are we buying things? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We kind of devolved into random stuff there, but... Uh, Seems very what naughty. Yeah. I mean, it's been 40-ish minutes. I guess we could wrap it up here. Um, yeah, we, we got to make it to a Middleburg town meeting, meet our fellow business members there, and go to dinner, so... I guess it just depends on, you know, how open they are to their octopi residents now. <laughs> yeah. Did I tell you um, what the guy at the, the meeting the other night when we were doing our sign was saying where he was like, what, what is this? Like, what is this logo? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's like an octopus face kind of thing. Like kind of like Davy Jones. And they're like, no, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, whatever. Okay. Yeah. We can get by with that. Yeah. We're okay with it. Yeah. It doesn't have any other meanings, right? Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, we will hopefully next time we were discussing doing some games and fun stuff. So I'm saying it in public here. We will do some kind of game next time. It'll be fun. We have several guests planned in the future. So stay tuned. Please subscribe if you liked it and catch you guys next time. <laughs>